Hello and welcome to this mini-series of podcasts for all staff working in health and care across Greater Manchester. This series builds on the podcasts launched in November, which, as part of a national initiative, have been specifically targeted at staff working in primary care. It aims to widen the accessibility of all our GM health and wellbeing support to everyone in the Greater Manchester area. I'm Lynn Marsland, and I'm delighted to welcome back Shenny Ravji-Smith, who will host these episodes, created in response to the things that you have told us are important to you. They are part of the GM Wellbeing Toolkit, which is available for you to access to support your wellbeing and the wellbeing of those around you. As the demands of our workplace have shifted in complexity and pace over the last couple of years, we are working harder and faster to meet the demands of delivering the best health and care provision we can. Some continuing to deliver the critical frontline services, while others have rearranged the work settings for a more screen-bound hybrid approach. All of this has had an impact on our physiology and our stress levels, which can compound into musculoskeletal issues if we don't pay attention to them. Today, I'm joined by John Brady from Greater Sport and Stephen Lunt from the Business Health Group to explore what we can do to combat the changes in the ways that we work. Welcome, John, Stephen. Hello. So to start us off, can you please define what musculoskeletal, or MSK as it's more commonly known, is? To put it in its simplest form, just try and break up the word itself. So muscular, muscles and then skeletal, so the bones, and then everything in between, so from your your tendons, your ligaments, your cartilage, your discs, the World Health Organization's definition, they describe it being pain, often persistent pain, that cause problems with either dexterity, mobility, or a capacity to function. So to bounce that back into the workplace setting, that might be somebody who is either on a reduced capacity with their work, or has no capacity whatsoever so he's, he's, he can't get into work at all. So as well as some of those physical impacts that you're talking about Stephen on a day-to-day basis what else should we look out for in terms of MSK? Well MSK can obviously kind of get parked into the, the physical category but I think the other thing to really look out for and one thing I see in clinic as well is there's a massive mental health side to this as well. If you're carrying around these musculoskeletal issues whether you're in reduced capacity or at zero capacity is a massive mental battle that comes with that for instance you might still be able to do your work but you you slowly perhaps start to feel that you're losing the purpose that you're going to work for you might be losing the connection that you get with your colleagues so there's a massive overlap it's not a case of it's physical versus mental health there's a huge overlap here that can often get overseen and then, for example, when it comes to postures, for example, there's a negative, uh, unconfident person with somebody that might be carrying some of these issues, whether it is mental or physical issues, they can kind of have this rounded, protective, defensive posture, perhaps, versus somebody who might be 
carry no ailments whatsoever, is on top of the game, and it would appear to be looking more confident, have a better mental health space, and they might be somebody who's got their chest puffed out, chin up, and looks as if they're ready to take on the world. So there is a big overlap here between the mental health side and the physical, and the mental health side can influence the physical. You know, it can be vice versa. So posture does matter? Absolutely does matter. And there's lots of things that can be done about it. So whether you set yourself up at your desk space, one of the things I like to promote is actually it's not so much how you sit, it's perhaps how long you're sitting for. So we can all try and fit into this perfect mould, but even the three of us are all three different shapes and sizes right now. So to try and tell people this is the way that you've got to sit it's just not right. So I think we do need to move on and everybody needs to find their comfort zone, their position where they're perhaps at their most productive, their most comfortable, the most creative, for example. And actually, the truth is, for any one of us, that's not one position at all. That it is about changing multiple positions. And that's our body's way of telling us we need to move and break that posture and find another one. So, John, there's a, there's a challenge about what our workplaces look like moving forward. Can you describe a little bit about the work that you're doing through the active workplaces at Greater Sport? So it, it's probably come a long way in the last, I'd say, five or six years where we've gone from predominantly looking at the big sporting charity event type events that a workplace would do to encourage their employees to be active. So they, they'd look at muddy obstacle courses or bike rides or you know, 10K runs and those kind of things, all of which are perfectly fine. It's just that it's not very inclusive of the entire workforce. So one of the things we've been looking at is how can we implement simple steps and simple movement into everyday work and making it feel normal and getting leadership buy-in, which is really important to to make sure this works. So we're now looking more at, at things like the Live Well Day, which, you know, include 30 to 45 minutes of activity into your day each day, but it's the simple things. So taking the stairs instead of going in the lift or, you know, doing desk-based exercises and stretches and things like that, going for a walk or even changing your, your habits around meetings. So rather than sitting down in a room with no windows, why don't you get outside and have your one-to-one with your boss outside instead? So it's just changing the perception of what activity is as well. So getting away from that, those big sporting events more into the simplicity of everyday movement. So I'm hearing a significant difference between physical activity and exercise. Is that one thing that we can focus on in terms of shifting our workplace cultures to be more active? I think so, because when you talk about physical activity, it conjures up images of maybe school PE or actual sport or something a little bit more regimented. Whereas if we start talking about movement, most of the stuff that is movement, we do anyway. So, you know, we've got people who will go out walking their dog for 10 or 15k at a weekend say but I'm not physically active where the argument is absolutely you are just because you're walking your dog and you're doing that chore doesn't mean that that's not counted of course it's counted and that that feeds then into the that counts campaign which highlighted these things that we do every day that count towards your physical activity levels so it could be the stuff that you do around the house your chores or you're washing the car or your DIY or those kind of things absolutely count and I know from experience they certainly do so it is changing that perception a little bit and again to to go back to those bigger things there is nothing wrong with those and people will do those there'll be people in our teams that will do those big events it's just that the less active or the less confident might not 
want to take part in a muddy obstacle course or a 100-mile bike ride or, or whatever it is. So it is, it's about changing that way of thinking that the movement counts. And I love that. I love the That Counts campaign because it starts shifting people's perceptions of what, what does count. You're not counting calories. You're not counting steps. You're counting movement. So you've mentioned walking meetings, which I love. What other things have you seen are being put into place? Especially now, because we're all working from home, at the start of the pandemic, the question was, well, we're not in the office or wherever we were based before, so what what do we do now? Because surely we can't be active at home, but it's the same principle. And, and, and I thought about this a lot as well, because I was going, well, okay, well, if we're all working from home, surely things are different, but they're actually not that different. So one of the big problems we've seen is around commuting and active commuting, because obviously now we're based at our kitchen table or wherever it was, and what people have tended to do is extend their day rather than using that time to still be active. And and especially with the dark mornings as well, it has been difficult. But how can we embed like almost a fake commute into our day? So we're not just getting up, getting a shower, breakfast, straight over to wherever we're working at home. How can we do something in that time to encourage us to be active like we would have been had we been going to a place of work? So there's things like that, the, the, the walking meetings. And one of the other things that we, we've talked about is networking. So different businesses meeting up together or different departments meeting up together to have those conversations rather than having to go to a networking event or whatever it is. So it's just changing the things we do during the day. And like I mentioned, you know, the, the, the watch going off every hour to tell me to do something is really, really good. So, And again, it might only be a stretch, but it is... It is the really simple stuff. So it's not about sticking your liker on or whatever. It's, it is the really simple stuff that you could just do during your working day. And I know for many of us, whether you're a clinician and you've got appointment after appointment or whether you've got back-to-back Teams meetings, the suggestion is that we just create a little bit of space, a five-minute gap, is that right, where we can stand up, stretch, go make a cup of tea, something, and that helps our posture. Stephen, I wonder if you can just talk about some of the benefits of making sure that we build some of those breaks into our day. It is about creating habits and committing to those things. So first of all, find something that works for you because what works for you might not work for somebody else, your colleagues, your friends or your family. So find something that works for you and the way that your day is typically set out. And then commit to it. So it might take you a few weeks to try a few of these things, do the fake commute, do a walking meeting with your earphones in your ears, but then start to find what works for you, what what makes you feel good, not necessarily what makes you look good, what's not what's burnt the most calories throughout the day, but what makes you feel good, what makes you at your best. And then, yeah, commit to doing those. So it's, it's, a, it's more of a lifestyle change. Think about them being more habits. But these can be and must be the smaller things, we're not trying to take people out of work. We're trying to make this work with the working day. So just as you touched on there, Shani, it might be something like committing to three to five minutes of activity every hour, something that breaks the posture, perhaps changes your environment, and then you come back, you know, that little bit fresher, new mindset, you've switched off, then you're coming back. So it might be something as simple as going and sticking the kettle on and doing some squats for the length of time the kettle boils it might be a case of going to the toilet but 
whichever floor you're on at home or in a flat, whatever, you've got to do a set of stairs before you nip to the toilet or something like that. So it's just these little habits that you add into your day rather than thinking about these bigger things. I've, I've got to get to the gym. I've got to do a workout. No, but cumulatively through the day, if you're doing good few sets of stairs as we go to the toilet you're doing some squats when the kettle's boiling two or three times when you're waiting for a brew all of a sudden you start to accumulate much greater activity across the day and then just to highlight that again it is not about how it makes you look the calories you burn and whether you're looking good in the mirror after you've done a set of stairs it's more about how you're feeling was you know just freshens the mind a little change of environment a little bit of movement can do it go a long way I've never quite thought of squats as a habit, more as a chore. So there is a mindset thing there, isn't there? There's a reward, there's a brew at the end of it. (laughs) So one of the things I really loved about the work that's going on at Greater Sport, started a few years ago, was Active Souls. I was a very early, excited kind of adopter of this. Being able to put my trainers on and go into the workplace and not feel like I was being unprofessional because there was almost the permissions to be able to do that. So I suspect the Active Souls movement has completely embedded itself through some of the pandemic kind of behaviours that we've now got. So what are the other things that we can perhaps pay attention to in terms of really making those shifts in our workplace cultures as we start moving back into this hybrid approach of what work looks like? The Active Souls are a really good example. And the reason for that is it's the leadership buy-in that's enabled that to do it. And of course, that, that came in our world, from Andy Burnham, wearing his gazelles on the train, going to work and tweeting it. It does show the man at the top is doing it, he's demonstrated it, he's a really good role model. So that leadership is key. I think there's the practical things you can look at in your workplace. It's if you think about greater sport, we, we do our 45 minutes a week. So we get 45 minutes a week of dedicated time to go and be active. So whether that is go for an additional walk around the Etihad or, you know, just generally being able to go into the the hall and stretch and just have time to yourself, that's really, really important. And one other thing to think about is the actual environment of your office. So standing desks have become really popular in the last couple of years in particular. It just gives you a little bit of a change from just sitting at your desk all the time. So being able to stand and, again, stretch is really important. But again, just creating that environment in your office. I've I've been into places where people have got exercise bike seats and all kinds of different things that just enable them to be that that much more active during the day. But again, it it all, I think there's a golden thread there about leadership and management and enabling that to happen in your workspace. Without that, it becomes really, really difficult. And of course, we're talking about people who sit in front of screens all day and are quite sedentary in their in their work practices. But we've also got a huge part of our workforce who are on their feet, frontline, delivering care to our patients. Stephen, what kind of advice can we give to them about decompressing their bodies or looking after themselves so they don't feel the impacts of some of the pains that you described? The biggest thing for them is is probably listening to their bodies. Actually, it's okay to take a, a rest. <laughs> I think we're so we can become so fixated on this physical activity and this movement where actually for many of, of those colleagues, for example, it might actually be about taking, you know, putting your feet up and taking a rest and having your day off. Allow yourself that day off. Yeah, it'd be lovely if you went out and got yourself into nature and got some fresh air and did a few steps. But actually, if you're covering 
you know, 15, 20 plus thousand steps throughout the day, charging up and down the corridors and the wards, actually it's absolutely okay to take a day's rest and, and put your feet up. So I think it's really important that people listen to their bodies, become a little bit more in tune with the bodies and understand when that is necessary for them. Because again, that's going to be different for everybody. We've all got our own different capacities. And then of course, yeah, taking the time to maybe do some stretches and some gentle movement. So there might be, you know, a handful of things that you've particularly done all one day when you're leaning over beds or desk spaces, open up that posture and take the time to move the body in an alternative way because it's when we then try and do that when we need to do it that we've either not got it or we put ourselves at risk of injury. That's difficult to get across without me throwing my arms and my legs around. But yeah, I think it's really important that people take the time to listen to their bodies and accept that it's, it's, you know, it's perfectly okay to have a a rest day, a, day, a day's recovery. If you've got busy working lives like the rest of us, then you've, we're actually all going home to kids, family, cleaning, washing. So I'm sure people listening are like, what is this rest that you talk about? <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> and of course, we're focusing quite a lot about on the prevention side of MSK. If somebody's already got those muscle pains that you described, Stephen, what can we do to support them? Well, first of all, I think it's really important that they feel comfortable that they can put their hands up and and find somebody to speak to. So whether that be somebody above them and, and, and say that I am struggling. And then at that point, hopefully they can be signposted to somebody that can can give them help. So whether there's services available on site or elsewhere that they can they can go and get the help that's needed. And sometimes from my own experience, sometimes people just need to be told that they're going to be okay. Some some of these things, there's an element of time. Sometimes they do need treatment, but sometimes people just need to be told that, given a diagnosis perhaps, but then told that it's going to be okay. We, you know, might be looking at a week or two and you'll be, you'll be fine, you'll be back to full working duties. And others at the same time might need a little bit of more assistance through that, but there's help at hand and I think it's really important that they put their hands up and feel comfortable in order to do that and then go and get that help that is available. So that help is in the form of occupational health if your workplace offers it? Yeah, so it might be occupational health, it might be you know physiotherapy themselves, and, and again, discussing whether they need to come out of their du- work duties or whether they can take on reduced work duties. I think uh, as much as possible, it's really important that we keep people in work as, as much as possible, not just for the financial side of things and keeping them in work, but again, like we touched on earlier, the mental health side of it as well. Can we keep them connected to their colleagues, connected to their purpose, the reason that they get up every day and go to work? So as much as possible, try and keep people attached to their work duties. But there are times when that simply isn't possible but allowing them the space to be able to put their hands up and go, I'm struggling, can I have assistance here? So if we were to give people advice about how they can keep themselves well in the first place, what three things would you suggest? The biggest thing is keeping it as simple as possible. And what we try and encourage people to do is try and do five minutes every hour and make it count. So it can be as simple as your squats, some stretches, but making it really, really simple and breaking up that posture, breaking up that environment that you were in. 
And then actually, if you see that you accumulate that across the day, you can be doing 30 to 40 minutes across the day. So it can be really, really simple, but it's important that we make it count. And I think there's something around the, the, the mind shift as well. Of, uh, and it goes back to that thing around making activity normal. So one of the things we were doing with the workshops pre-pandemic was when we were doing our housekeeping, you'd go, yeah, th- this is the fire exit. There's no fire plant. But it was also then talking about it's okay to stand up, it's okay to be active, it's okay to move around the room, and that was just a that was a complete change to the way that normal meetings were held. And Stephen in his workshop a couple of weeks ago got everybody up at the start and, and and jumping around and stretching, and that just changes the mind shift to yeah oh actually it's okay to be active at work. It's not something that we frowned upon because you know at the moment some people would see somebody stretching at the desk and going, well, what's that? What's that guy doing? Why are they doing that at their desk? They're here to work, you know. And we we do hear that a lot that people come to work to work. They don't come to work to be active. And it's well, well actually, it's just part of your day. You're doing it anyway. So let's just encourage it a little bit more and bring it into places that may not necessarily have seen people being active before, for example, in workshops and so on. So for anyone who wants to find out a little bit more, we are programming a series of workshops that people can access. There are going to be links on this podcast, so please do have a click through that. And of course, we've also got the Greater Manchester Wellbeing Toolkit, which we've been working on together. And there is a whole chapter on MSK, so please do have a look at those resources. Many thanks, John, Stephen, for giving us a little bit of an insight into some of the MSK challenges and also things that we might need to pay attention to to help keep ourselves well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You can find out more about MSK by looking at the episode page for this podcast. And for more information about the Greater Manchester Wellbeing Programme, look for the link on the main series page. If you have a topic you would like us to cover, there's an email address on this episode page there too. We would love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to this series through your favourite podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. And remember to tell your colleagues too so they don't miss it either. And we're looking forward to speaking with you soon.